0: This is the four-man rush. What a rush. Yo, what's going on? This is Kevin Avery of the four-man rush. Coming to you once again for episode six of the upcoming 2019 NFL season. Uh, With me tonight, I have Larry Reynolds and Will Harris. They're going to be co piloting with me as we get to the pre-draft version of the four-man rush uh real quickly we're going to touch on uh the signing of chris hogan the re-signing of kyle love uh talk a little bit about the uh schedule that's getting ready to come out real soon tomorrow and also take a look at some day two and day three um prospects here so that'll be what we'll discuss with this episode starting things off Uh, Marty Herney, again, went in the ashtray and found some change, and uh, he was able to pull off a a very quiet, yet, I believe, effective free agent signing. Former New England Patriots wide receiver Chris Hogan was signed to a one-year deal uh, just a couple of days ago. Anybody that's keeps up with the NFL knows that with uh, Chris Hogan and the New England offense, he was somebody that was seen to always be open. And that's something that we could definitely use in the North Turner offense that runs basically off a lot of intermediate routes and deep routes. And with his, you know, unique speed and ability to run precise routes, I definitely think a guy like Chris Hogan can definitely add value and add a presence to the Carolina Panthers, offense this upcoming 2019 season. Um, starting things off, Larry, when you heard about Chris Hogan being signed, what was the thoughts that came to your head?
1: Um, production, um, he reminds me a lot like Coddry because he just takes advantage of his opportunities. Even not, he might not be the number one receiver. He might not get the ball every play. But it seems like when Tom Brady threw it to him, he caught it. Um, another thing that came up is I love the breakdown that you did because you showed his ability to separate. He might not pop out as an athlete, but he seems to be a very crafty receiver where he can just create a lot of separation. And when you create separation, it makes it easier for the quarterback to go through reads. So I think he'll be a good addition. I think just like, you know, Jarius Wright, he'll fill a specific role for us and hopefully he can make the best of his opportunities.
0: And Will, you're someone that uh, studies a lot of film and, and have a good eye of, you know, what the – abilities are of skilled players. Tell me, what was your assessment when you thought of what Chris Hogan can add to the Panthers offense? You know, he just gives us more veteran depth at
2: the receiver position. You know, he's not gonna come in and be a you know the number one receiver like a lot of people wanna talk about, but, you know, as a third and fourth receiver, which he's been most of his career, you know, he's been relatively productive, giving you about five hundred yards and three, four touchdowns a year. Um You know, he's very good, you know, reading zone coverages, finding soft spots, you know, adjusting his route, finding ways to get open through zone. He's not the type of guy. He's not uh, like Julian Edelman, where Julian Edelman, if you try to press him, he's such a precise route runner that he'll lose you when you try to press, play man press against him. Hogan's not that guy. You know, he's going to struggle a bit versus press. But as a third, uh, fourth receiver, you know, running the routes against zone coverage, finding soft spots, He'll find ways to get open and give you that target to, you know, uh, consistently move the sticks. So I just think that's a, something that he'll add to the offense, another weapon, you know, and we got a nice little receiver roster building
0: now. Yeah, one thing I like about the move is that, you know, the additional Chris Hogan, you know, we run a lot of 11 personnel. And for those of you that, not for me, with 11 personnel, uh, what it means is, is that the uh, Panthers come out with uh, one running back, one tight end, and three right receivers. Uh, this formation is has pretty much been a staple of the uh, Panthers' offense for some time now, and definitely North Turner featured it a lot in uh, 2018 with his first season. But, you know, what that means, you have three wide right receivers – on the field. Now, of course, you know with the play calling and formation variances, you know people can line up in different places and motion out and things like that. But when you have you know three wide receiver personnel that's used the majority of the game, you know you're going to need fresh bodies and fresh legs to come in and still execute. And I think a guy like Chris Hogan provides us with, as you, as you fellas mentioned, precise route running, uh, sure hands the ability to get separation. And we all know that, you know, with Cam Newton, you know, seeing a receiver get separate allows him to feel a lot more confident uh, with his passes than when the receiver is more tightly covered. So I I can see I Chris Hover having that similar impact that Jairus Wright just had on us last year. Kind of maybe like the forgotten guy that, like, silently kills you, may not blow up the stat seats, but he may have four catches for 52 yards, with three first downs, you know, this, just things that move the chains that kept drives alive. So that's what I see what Hogan brings to the uh, Panthers offense.
1: By the way, Kev, you have any idea? You know, because uh, I know everybody act like we don't have no money, but well, you know anything about his contract?
2: I think he's getting about like a 1.7 mil with like incentives to earn up to $2 million. So it's a pretty good contract. So, I mean, it's not going to you know, blow our caps,
1: based or anything. That's what it was was cost-free. That's what we want to hear. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, right now, you know, it's
2: all we're giving them is an opportunity. I mean, I'm looking forward to this wide receiver competition we got going on with, you know, Torrey Smith, Jarius Wright, Chris Hogan, and then the new guy, you know, Rashad Ross, all fighting for those last, you know, few spots to fill out the depth chart, so... I mean, that should be interesting.
1: Hey, Will, do you see any of these guys as far as veterans go? Like, you know, Torrey Smith, Hogan, Wright, do you see any of them not making the team? Maybe getting beat out by one of these young guys?
2: You know, that's a good question because, I mean, let's be honest. How do Patriot players do once they leave that system? You know, you know uh, Josh McDaniels is a master at scheming guys open. So, you know, is Chris Hogan such a great route runner because he's getting open on his own, or is it Josh McDaniels, you know, scheming him and Tom Brady, you know, placing the ball where it needs to be? So, you know, we'll see how he does there. But typically when you see um, Patriot players, you know, they have a poor track record uh, changing other teams. So that's one thing to look out for with see how Chris Hogan adopts to North Turner's offense. You know, I think when you look at Torrey Smith, You know, he's kind of been on the decline the last few years. Can he regain any of that old fire back? I mean, I'm sure he can still run fast, but, you know, you'd like to see him be more consistent in that regard. I think Jarius writes a lot. I saw enough from him last year to know what he can do. And then I think Rashad Ross is still a wild card. You know, his opportunity to make the team will be as a return specialist. So, you know, it should be interesting with this camp battles coming up.
1: I mean, to be honest with you, me personally, I like to see Moe Frazier get a spot. So if it means I got to let go of one of our favorite veterans, like a Tory Smith, or if he could not work out, I mean, may the best man win. I can't wait to get the training camp just to see, you know, who's going to steal these reps.
2: And thing is, with uh, the draft, always remember, all Herney's doing is filling out the roster and free agency so he can draft BPA. You know, if a Hollywood Brown or a top wide receiver in this draft slips to around two or three you know don't be surprised if we add more playmakers and heat up that competition
0: a bit so you know it's just a lot we'll see what happens in this next couple weeks and another thing to keep in mind is that since 2002 every single year that Marty Herney has been a general manager for the Panthers the final three-man roster had six wide receivers so you know, keep in mind that I mean, we, we we mentioned the names just now. We already know DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Jarius Wright. Then we're talking about Torrey Smith, and also Chris Hogan, who we just added. So that's five right there. So it's it's going to be a it could be a camp body, it could be a rookie. Who knows? As y'all mentioned, it's all about bringing you know the best competition. I want the most competitive ninety-man roster we take. Matter of fact, I want it to be, you know, nerve-wrenching when it's cut day because we're going to be letting good of somebody go. You know, that's a good feeling to have to know that you was able to field a such competitive team that it was difficult to understand who should stay and who should go. And just to touch on what y'all was just talking earlier about the uh, wide receivers, y'all already know I'm I'm team Tory Smith on that. You know, that's that's the guy that I believe in. I know people want to make a lot about his $5 million salary that, you know, is, you know, if we release him, it won't be any penalty. Yeah, that's true. But one thing I've learned is Curtis Samuel has yet to play a full 16 games. Now I'm hoping that he finally does, but you can never put a value on having quality depth ready to go at any given time. And I think a guy like Torrey Smith provides that he's a veteran that has came up big and on big stages and he he just has that it factor that that you need. And then, you know, you never know what little nicks and bangs can happen throughout the season. So, you know, we can't just put all the wide receiver burden on just, you know, the main three, you know, wide receivers and just hope whoever at the bottom is there to just, you know, take up space. But yeah, I definitely agree with you, Will, that, you know, the opportunity to take a wide receiver is definitely not off the board. It's, it's some definitely some talent out there that Depending on if we keep these seven picks, that would would definitely provide a lift to the offense. You know, the main thing that Rivera and Herney said, that they wanted to protect Cam and add playmakers. So whether that be adding a wide receiver, adding another running back that can, you know, go out like McCaffrey does. Uh, I, I definitely think that nothing's really off the books when it comes to playmakers in the draft.
1: So say we had a receiver and say Moe's Frazier steps up. You got two veterans. You got Hogan and you got Torrey Smith. Who's the odd man out, Ken? Uh,
0: Let's see. God, God, that's a tough
1: one. And I know it's premature because we, we we haven't got the camp yet. I get it. But, you know, based <laughs> on body at work, based on film that you watch, you got to pick between one of these two veterans. Who you going with?
0: So if I had to pick between Hogan and Smith?
1: Yeah, Hogan and Smith.
0: Current, recent body of work, I would have to say Chris Hogan. And that hurts me to say because I just said I was team Tory, But, you know, even though Hogan had some issues with injuries last year a little bit and wasn't as productive as he's been, you know, his first couple of seasons with New England. But that's a guy that, you know, I've always seen the highlights that just seem to have found a way to get open. But uh, if you have to go by if I had to be honest and just go by a recent body of work, I would give the uh, I would definitely get the edge to uh, to Hogan. Now, with Cam not being able to throw the deep ball last year, I think that negated a lot of the effectiveness what Torrey Smith has to offer. You know, I've always thrown this stat around in the Panthers groups last year in 2018. You know, Torrey Smith with routes that ran over 15 yards, he was open 62% of the time with his average yard of separation about 2.7 yards. So the man is getting open and he's burning his guy. We just, Cam just didn't have the ability to be able to hit him deep. So that's why I still hold that there's some value with Torrey Smith. But to answer your question, recent body work, I would have to get an edge to Chris Hogan.
2: I don't think it's that clear cut though, because Chris Hogan playing in that Josh McDaniel system with Tom Brady. So, I think he needs to show that he's not a product. I mean, yeah, he did produce in Buffalo. I'll give you that. But, you know, Patriot players have a history of going to other teams and just not being the same. You know, how would Torrey Smith do in that Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady system? So I don't think it's as clear cut and dry just by looking at Hogan's production versus Torrey's declining production over the past couple years. I think, you know, that Patriot system is something you really got to consider.
1: Okay, but I'm asking for a cut and dry answer on this one, Will. Like, like I said, it's early, it's premature, but, you know, you stand there trying to pick your 53, you got to let go of a veteran. Who are you keeping? Is it good? Like, just right now, are you keeping Tory or are you keeping Hogan?
2: I'm going with Torrey. I think Hogan's role with the team is an overlap of what Jerry is right can do.
1: Got you. So the reason I would probably take for Hogan is not because Torrey's not a good football player. I think Torrey might actually be a better football player. I'm just thinking about fit. I feel like Torrey Smith has a similar skill set to guys like, you know, DJ and and Curtis as far as being able to stretch the field. I remember Cam had a ball thrown at uh, Philly Brown during our Super Bowl year just because he was able to separate. I think that makes Cam's job a lot easier. And that stat that Kevin showed on our page, the separation, that is what is most valuable to me out of, out of Hogan. I think that he might be able to do that better than most of us. Like you said, it might be a system thing. Who knows? But if you're just talking about straight tape, you know, straight production, straight body of work, I'm choosing Hogan just because I know he can separate like no other. But We're not going to stay on this too long. We got other free agents to talk about too, right, that we brought in.
0: Yeah, you're definitely right. Uh, real quickly, I, I had pulled this up. And, and and don't get me wrong, Josh McDaniels is definitely the top of the chain as far as offense coordinators. But um, Advil North, hey, <laughs> I, I love to see what he can do with a guy like Hogan. So I definitely don't think that as far as offensive game planning and strategy, I don't think there's really will be a drop-off, if any, going from a Josh McDaniel to a North Turner. Uh, now, that's just me. Uh, but to wrap this up about Chris Hogan – uh, Larry, you was mentioning, you know, stats I pulled up. This is something quick that uh, our good friend uh, Reggie Holmes, of Panthers for Life 2.0, he copied this and floated around one of my comments, and I said, in three seasons from 2013 to 2015, Chris Hogan with uh, six starts in 48 games, he was targeted 137 times, had 87 receptions, 959 yards, 11 yards per carry, and six touchdowns. Now, that's what he did in three seasons at Buffalo when his quarterbacks were E.J. Manuel, Thad Lewis, Cal Orton, Matt Cassell, Tyrod Taylor. Now, he jumps over to New England from 2016-2018 with Brady, and with just 35 more targets, he was able to do 107 receptions, 1,651 yards, uh, 15.4 yards per carry, 12 touchdowns. So, you know, I think that he's able to produce wherever he, he goes. So I'd definitely like to see what uh Advil North can do with with uh, with do with a Hogan.
1: I agree with you 100%. And, you know, Cam's not Tom Brady, but I think he's better than that list that you mentioned. So <laughs> if we can get, you know, Cam and him to build some rapport this offseason, I think he might be a good weapon for us. But uh, the next guy that we, we got to talk about is, you know, I like the hog mollies. So let's get into Kevin Love.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, Mister Mister Belly three point five himself. You know, Kyle Love. You know, we're talking about a guy that that had Panther fans uh, a little in awe when he uh, showed a picture of his uh, of his gut heading into um, training camp last year. But definitely with resigning of Chris, um, excuse me, Kyle Love, we're talking about the fourth piece of our defensive tackle rotation. Uh, he signed a one year deal with Carolina. 32 years old, savvy veteran, just like Hogan. um, He played with the uh, New England Patriots. We got him in 2014. Believe it or not, Love's been here. This is now be his sixth season on the Panthers roster. I remember we had originally picked him up because Star Tullier got injured towards the end of the 2014 season, and we needed defensive tackle depth. And that was one of the reasons that uh, Kyle Love was able to get on with the team. But – you know, 2018 was definitely a breakout year for Cal Love. He had several memorable plays, uh, most notably uh, the hit against the Baltimore Ravens that just was as, <laughs> was just as hard as you can get hit. But definitely, I, I, I like what, what he brings to the table. We're talking about a guy that can play either defensive tackle spot. He can play the run and he can apply pressure on the pass. He definitely plays with a lot of leverage and he knows how to get the lineman's hands off of him in a quick manner. So, you know, being a, a, a lineman myself, I, I like the signing. And it, it keeps the four defensive tackles intact, Short, Poe, Butler Jr., and Love. But, uh, Will, when you heard about Love being resigned, I know we all had originally said that we thought it might be post-draft due to the draft class. How, how do you feel about the timing of it are you okay with it or do you think we could have waited what do you think
2: well you know like I, I know I keep the same you know mentality all Herney's doing is he's filling out the roster all the roster spots so that he can draft Bpa heading in the next Thursday you know I look at somebody like Kyle love you know this was well deserved I mean he had a career year last year he just makes hustle plays he you know he's all over the field you know he was our best playmaker on the defensive line. So I think, you know, this was a well-deserved extension. I'm surprised he didn't get more interest in the open market. Uh, but then again, when you look at, I mean, Sue hadn't been signed either, so maybe teams are just waiting till after the draft to start signing the defensive tackles. But, you know, just to kind of calm my expectations a bit, you know, the question is, can he do it again? You know, he's on the opposite side of 30. And, you know, the Panthers have been burned in the past for, you know, gambling on players up there in age. Can they do it again? And they never matched that production, you know, in the following year after they hit that peak. So as Kyle Love peaked, can he come back next year and give us a similar type of impact on that defensive line? So that remains to be seen. But overall, you know, good signing. He deserves this opportunity. And somebody I've been a big fan of for a lot of years now.
1: I'll go ahead and address a couple of your points, Will. I was a little bit disappointed with just the one-year deal. I think that, you know, one of the most important things for me as far as the defensive line goes is consistency. And Love has been the same player every year. He kind It kind of seems like he had a, a breakout year this year. It's because he got more reps. He was on the field a lot more. But I seem to notice that every single time he was on the field, whether it was this past season or years past, he always made an impact. Another thing is I'm not too concerned about him being long in the tooth because he never really played a starting role. He's always been a rotational player. He's always played about 40 to 50% of the snaps during the year. So if you look at the way he played last year, it seems like he's got a lot more left in the tank. So I would probably look into maybe – I was hoping – I was surprised that we picked him this early because I wanted to get through the draft first and see what we could do in the draft. But he's a guy I'm really, really happy to bring back. I just wish he would have got a little bit more security with the deal. But, hey – You got to do what you got to do. I know we cap strap. I just thought, you know, he's one of the most deserving Panthers on the team, and he's really, really underrated. But overall, I agree with you two. It's a really good signing to bring him back.
2: And plus what you got to think about next year, you know, we owe Dontari Poe $13.3 million. I don't know if he's going to be on the roster next year with that kind of cap hit. Vernon Butler, free agent next year. Kyle Love only signed a one-year deal. So the only interior D lineman we got under contract in the next season is Kawan Short. And you look at the defense, now look at the defensive end position. Mario Addison, free agent next season. Obado one-year deal. Cox, one-year deal. So the only defensive lineman we have on the roster, Irvin, one-year deal. So the only defensive end we got on the roster next year is Marquise Haynes. So our defensive line is going to be gutted after this season. So I definitely think you
1: know, a full-blown defensive lineman draft is definitely possible. I agree with you 100%. Any other thoughts, Kevin?
0: Y'all pretty much was uh picking my brain about looking at the uh, future of the the entire defense line, not just defensive tackle. And something to keep in mind is that with a draft this loaded with this much quality depth, outside of, you know, maybe getting us a offensive tackle, and possibly either a running back or a wide receiver to add, I, I got no problem with us going a defensive heavy draft with potentially two, heck, maybe even three guys. You know, I, and I mean, I know we got knees all around, but when you think about all these players in a one-year uh, contract left, but I think that creates a sense of urgency. It seems that players play their best on their contract years Not all the time because, you know, Wes Horton screwed me up on that hope (laughs) this past year. But, you know, we was talking about the snap count here. I was able to look it up real quick. You know, of the 962 defensive snaps on the Carolina Panthers defense, uh, Kyle Love played in 46%. uh, So, he had like 468 of those reps. So, he nearly got about half the reps at defensive tackle. So... Again, Larry, as you spoke, you know, he he got a lot more reps and he was able to produce. I like the fact that a uh, salary cap situation, you was talking about Poe. You know, we cut him after this season. It's a $3 million cap hit, but we saved $10 million. So we're going to have some money if the right moves are made to revamp this defense line. But I want to see who wants to play to stick around in 2020. So definitely, definitely something to keep an eye on is how well our defensive line both at d tackle and the end play this year because pretty much everybody's on their last legs per se.
1: Just one more one more point to add before we move on. You know, last year we kept four interior defensive linemen. Just so y'all know, I was looking at more of a hybrid look with the three, four. That's really an extra two interior linemen that you keep per play. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we, we already got Love, we got Poe, we got KK. Like I told you guys last week, I'm really interested in TJ Barnes. Even if you go ahead and draft another DT and still have Vernon Butler, it's still a lot of debt because, obviously, with the way you got to look at it now, you actually need maybe another extra lineman or another two linemen. So instead of keeping four like we usually do, with this kind of look, you might be keeping maybe five or six. That's just something to look at as well because you gotta have that left in, which is really like a DT. You gotta have that right in, which is really like a DT, and you gotta have that nose guard. So that's something to pay attention to. So I think you know, bringing love in is not just a let's get let's get them back type of thing. It's really a depth move. We needed that depth move.
2: Yeah, I noticed in those uh, camp pictures, all the players returning to the. Um for spring workouts, you know, it might have just been the angle of the picture, but Vernon Butler looked slimmed down a bit, so I'm wondering if they're planning on playing him at that five-tech edge on that thirty front. So we'll see once OTAs come up.
1: I definitely think, based on it, that kind of his kind of build, and also with KK, I definitely see them two both playing that five technique. Just to be honest with you, because when you got that position, you kind of need some you need some some. Some acceleration, you need a little bit more athletic ability. And I expect a guy like Poe and a guy like Love to be plugging up that zero technique.
0: Yeah, most definitely. So position flexibility, once again, will be a key reason for what players we acquire, not only during a draft, but post-draft. Keep in mind, we usually fill out a majority of our roster right after the uh, seventh round is over with the uh, players that didn't get drafted. So... I definitely can see different players uh, with the ability to play any D tackle spot or DN slash outside linebacker. So definitely something to keep in mind. Also, fans, the four-man rush will be coming to you at the uh, first-round draft party um, coming up on Thursday, April 25th. I I was able to reserve a ticket, so not only will you get access to the uh, draft party, you'll also have access to the Panthers' locker room and the weight room. And we'll definitely be, you know, be the first one to let you know who's going to be the newest Panther on that Thursday night. Also, we're going to be there for OTAs and minicamp as well. So stick with the four-man rush because we definitely will be on the scene to definitely give you fans insight like never before. So that's something we're looking forward to. Switching gears now, with it being so close to draft, typically about a – usually about a week before the draft starts – Schedules come out and it was announced today that the official 2019 NFL schedule will be released on at eight o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This schedule will tell, you know, the opponents from week one to week 17 uh, times, locations. I know there's a lot of rumors floating around right now, but we're trying not to, um, you know, touch that. We'd just rather, you know, wait to discuss that the next go-round. But with schedules come out, I mean, there's always preferences. Typically, the Panthers never have a home game for Week 17. Last time was the 2015 season when we played Tampa Bay at home um, the first Sunday in January. But what would be ideal? I mean, like, what would be an ideal schedule uh, preferences that you fellas wouldn't mind seeing?
1: What I think what killed us last year is we had an early bye week. That's one thing I don't want. So I prefer to have a bye week, you know, not in the middle, but closer to the end of the middle, like anywhere between, you know, week week eight and week 12. You know, let's just get the hardest part of our schedule out the way. Then, you know, when you start going to that stretch, you need a little break. That'll be a good time to get that break out the way, like around week 12, just so you can get ready for that December stretch. And um, another thing, I would like to play our toughest opponents early. Let's get that out the way. Like, I would rather go – let's go to New Orleans between week one and four just so we can get the sense while they're not clicking on all cylinders, get them – knock them out early in New Orleans. We could worry about playing them in December in Charlotte. So, you know, I'd rather play the toughest opponents early before everybody, you know, gets, in, gets into the flow of how the season's going to go. That way we can have an easier home stretch, you know, when we get to December. That's about it for me. Yeah, with me, you know, we're going to have a younger
2: team than we normally have in years past. So week one, I'm hoping we get either draw the uh, Cardinals or the 49ers draw week one. You know, and I look at our schedule, you know what, we got the AFC South and the NFC West, correct me if I'm wrong. So, you know, you look at those teams there, you know, you got physical defensive teams like Jacksonville and Tennessee, and I want to get get them done with early. I don't want to, you know, be banging them in December and, being injured going into that playoff run.
1: No, I agree um, with you, too. I agree. I
2: agree. <laughs> yeah, get them out the way early. You know, we got the Rams. That's the game I'm most looking forward to for some reason. I think, um, you know, see how we hold up against uh, Sean McVavors, North Turner. You know, that should be a fun game to watch. And I think, you know, I think the NFL, they started doing the loading up the division games on the back end. I just hope we have more uh, home games Let's go around. You know, let's get Atlanta at home week 15, 16, or 17. New Orleans at home maybe during that time. <laughs> I think Tampa Bay will be much more improved this year. So we got them in. One thing to remember, we got to play them in London, I think, sometime in October. So, you know, that's should be be – hopefully that doesn't throw the team off. But luckily, again, that's early in the year.
1: Everybody got to go through it. So I guess it's just our time to go out to London. But I wasn't saying, you know, let's play New Orleans week one. That's not a beast that I want. I kind of agree with you. Give me a San Fran or kick me in Arizona early, you know, just so we can get rolling. But I would still like to see a team like New Orleans, you know, late September, early October. Let's catch them before they get clicking on all cylinders. I'm not too worried about Atlanta. You know, we seem to be pretty competitive with them. It's like a back and forth thing. I wouldn't mind getting them early. I know we're going to see all of the division proponents late. I'm just talking about that first game. Let's get the away games out, out the way right away. Like I kind of liked last year. We went to we went to Atlanta week two. That was ideal for me. Let's do the same thing with New Orleans this year. So I'm just hoping, that, you know, it bounces in our favor. But what you thinking, Ken?
0: Well, what I'm thinking is this. You know, I don't know if you guys ever noticed a pattern, but whatever division opponent – in the previous season, we wherever we played them at uh, last is where we're going to start off. So week 17 of last year, we ended at New Orleans. So we are going to play at New Orleans first. Now, I don't think that they're going to do it like they did us last year, have us playing them back-to-back towards the end. So there's a good chance we might play the Saints in the early part of the season. Uh, same thing with the Bucks, you know, They came here first and then we went down there second. So, our first game against Tampa will be down in Tampa. And then they'll be coming back to Charlotte on the second go round. The first Tampa game in London. You know what? Appreciate the correction, Will. I'm I'm getting old. You know, 40s chasing me down. My birthday coming up. You know, my brain's slipping a little bit. Appreciate that correction. So, yeah, but uh, good thing about that, Tampa's giving up a home game, not us. So, our away game will be at London. Speaking of, y'all fellas was talking about the bye week. Also keep this in mind with the schedule. Now, whenever teams go to London, they automatically get their bye week right after the London game, you know, to recover from traveling and, and you know, all that excess. So typically those London games are usually in the October-ish time frame. So that might fit in depending on what time of October. It could be, you know, mid seasonish. Time frame, I would prefer, you know, towards the end of October. But hey, whenever it happens, it happens. Also, keep in mind we get that mini bye when we play our annual Thursday night game as well. So between you know the bye week after London and the ten days off after a Thursday night game, I I, I think that it'll it'll favor it'll favor for the Panthers this year because if you guys notice, whenever it's early one year. Is usually mid the next year and then it's late. I don't know if y'all ever kind of like noticed the pattern. So no team consistently is always getting their bye week early. So it seems to be some sort of, you know, rotation, what part of the season teams get their bye week. But, you know, I feel like whenever it is, our team will definitely be ready. And as far as my own personal preferences, yeah, I'm I'm all about with you guys. You know, let's, Let's, let's get a division opponent early away from the house and and, and definitely see what, what our team is all about. You know, let's kind of get, you know, punched around a few times just to just to, so we can start addressing what needs to be fixed and and go from there. So, you know, whoever's going to be, uh, I will hope this will finally be a year we get a, a home game week 17, but likely because of our commitment to the Belt Bowl for college football which tends to be around towards the end of the season as well. Might not get it, but, hey, it would be nice.
1: One other thing i like to add is I love my quarterback in primetime, so hopefully we can get one of the Monday night games, you know what I mean? <laughs> Cam seemed to shine best when the bright light's on him, so we'll see about that as well. Yeah, give him a chance to redeem himself, but he can't go out like we did last Monday night. You know, that was just sad to watch with the Yeah, but you know, that's a, you know that's a rarity, though. You know that's yeah. a rarity, though, Well, You know, yeah. Cam is 3-0 against Brady. I think two of them yeah. games is in prime time, so. Yeah. <laughs> I Maybe trust them in prime time. Maybe that Rams game gets that prime time. We'll see. Yeah, that's a good look, too. I like to play the Rams, you know, and uh, you probably don't got to worry about no sue, either, unless they re-sign him. <laughs> Still got to worry about Donald, but at least you ain't got to worry about both of them. And
0: another thing to think about, you know, with us playing the uh, AFC South, I mean, just to throw it out there to be something different, I know in the 2015 season we had the uh, Colts in a Monday night game uh, that was here in the rain. Could could we possibly get a prime time with them? You know, Cam versus Luck again. You know, that's a possibility. Or we're at Houston. That would definitely be something that would possibly get drawing ratings, you know, Cam versus Deshaun Watson. You know, I mean, you, you definitely got some potential out there to be, you know, headlining, you know, headlining games as uh, mm-hmm. far as, you know, whenever we get our um, get our games that, you know, where we're uh, featured in the spotlight. So uh, I don't think we had a Sunday night game last year, did we, fellas? Did we have a Sunday night game?
1: No, I don't believe so. No. To add to your point, Bill Cam. This is one of my favorite seasons. I love playing the AFC South. Typically, typically because we beat up on them. And, you know, we went to the Super Bowl one year, we played the AFC South. But if you look at the games, they're pretty close. Like, I'm a part of the Royal Riot. I don't mind traveling to Jacksonville. I don't mind traveling to Tennessee. And if I got to go somewhere like Houston, that's going to be an awesome vacation. So hopefully, you know, one of those away games could be maybe Tennessee or Jacksonville. I know that's something that you would probably be at. I know that's something that Will would probably be at because you live in the Florida.
2: Yeah, you look at those teams, you know, Jacksonville, Tennessee, you know, strong defense. You know, Colts, you know, they got a little strong in the trenches on the offensive side of the ball. And then you got Houston, you know, you got Watt and Clowney. You know, I mean, it's a good competitive division now. It's amazing how much can change in only, what, four years because there was kind of the whipping boards back in 2015. But now, you know, they got four respectable teams. Any of them can come out on top, you know, heading into this year. So, who Jacksonville got a quarterback now? They finally moved on from Bortles.
1: I think they signed Nick Foles.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think you'll see a much improved team there. So, you know,
0: yeah, I think it's going to be a good
2: competitive schedule.
0: And another thing here, just so our fans, and again, this time tomorrow night, you know, everybody's going to be in buzz about the schedule. Just looking at who, who else coming to Charlotte this year, from the uh, uh, AFC South. We're going to have we're going to have uh, Jacksonville and we're going to have Tennessee coming here. Now, keep in mind, in 2015, the Panthers brought out the broom and swept all four the teams in the AFC South. But I, I definitely think that uh, it's going to be a much much tougher task to do this time because, like you said, at that time, they was everybody's you know whipping board, per se. But yeah, just looking over here, we got Jacksonville and Tennessee. Coming to Charlotte, so we're going to Houston. We're going to Indianapolis. So playing against Watson and playing against Luck on the road and in a tough, loud, domed environment, that's definitely going to present a challenge, challenge to the Panthers.
1: Listen, Kev, it's not a challenge if we travel like we usually do. So I guess we need to start making plans now. We're going to Houston this year, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm down hey. for that. <laughs> hey i mean you know h-town i mean hey what what can i say i mean it's, it's it's a lot to do in houston so um hey you know let's 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 put this money together and 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 let's make it happen you know your four-man rush we're definitely looking to uh be at as many panther games to give you guys uh up close personal experiences um uh, as y'all know i'm a psl owner so i'm there for every home game and definitely looking at the schedule i can um uh, I can see me being at some road games, too, as well. You know, everybody knows my daughter lives in California, so that game at San Francisco was appealing for me. Uh, we were just talking about Houston. Uh, again, thinking about my daughter, she a Packers fan at Green Bay. She's like, Daddy, uh, you think you can fly me to Chicago and meet me and we go to the
1: Packers game? I'm going to stop yeah. you right there, Ken. I'm <laughs> going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there. You better hope that Packers game is in September. Because if it's not in September, you're not going to want to do that. I'm telling you, bro, they, that Lambeau cold is completely different from any other cold I ever felt. And y'all know I'm from New Jersey. I went to Lambeau Field one time. I'll never go again. I don't care if it's the Super Bowl. I ain't going, bro. It's that cold. I'm serious.
0: Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. That's why what, what happens this time of all night with the schedule will determine a lot of conversation. Uh, But again, uh, as far as the uh, NFC West home games, I mean, one of these would be prime time. You know, the L.A. Rams and the new highest paid quarterback in the NFL. They got his big deal yesterday, Russell Wilson um, with Seattle. Both of those are home games. You know, anytime we play them, you know, that's almost like a divisional game for us. We play them so often. Uh, And then the away games is uh, San Francisco and Arizona. Uh, the inter-conference game where we got the Redskins at home and we're at Green Bay, so it, it's definitely some going to be some good venues to, to play at. So it's it's all kind of exciting possibilities. I, I, I like this, I like the schedule of of opponents that we got both home and away. So definitely look forward to uh, seeing how it play out. Yeah, we caught a break with
2: that uh, NFC West schedule, getting the two cupcakes on the road and the two uh, tough games at home. So I think that's something, you know, we got to capitalize on. And hopefully we get that Rams game in December, make them come to feel that Charlotte weather in uh,
0: December. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah, we can get them out here in some of this 30-degree weather come December. I definitely uh, definitely like that. As we all know, you know, Coach Rivera, he got a team, a team has historically played their best in December. So I I definitely wouldn't be opposed to that at all. You know, and who knows? We haven't even mentioned it you know, some of these games, depending on how well we play, could get flexed as well. So, there's, you know, there's opportunities that, you know, we could get a game flexed or two, depending on how well we do. And I, and I definitely have... Um,
1: We're going to leave the could out, too. We're definitely getting some games flexed, because you know what we about to do this year, right? <laughs> We're going to get some games flexed. They're going to want to put us in primetime, I'm telling you, because they're going to want to see CMC. They're going to want to see some DJ. They're going to want to see some cam. we definitely going to get some flexed games this year, so don't even say they could, just say, Panther fans, be prepared for our flex games. So make sure your schedules are open.
0: Yeah, as long as you have your Rashawn Golden jersey on, that's all we need, bro.
1: <laughs> you know what? I'm not going I'm not going to do it on this podcast. I'm not going to knock no player. I was about to throw that fan in the dumpster, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you trying to pick on i I'm going to leave that on you. I got to go. Rashawn Golden's going to have the best camp in his life. We're going to leave it at that. I just He's not gonna be on the field, that's all. Man, Hopefully you know you got a guy like Savage out here by then. You know how
2: we do
0: every other season, right? So this is the good year. <laughs> yeah, well, I figure you gotta get a customized jersey on the back. It should say contextualized data. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> you got all the jokes tonight, Kev. I swear you got all the jokes.
0: Yeah, man. I got a few jokes. I got a few jokes, but it's all good. But definitely, uh I definitely like uh I definitely like what, what we're looking to. So moving on to the last part here. Uh, We had mentioned at the very beginning, we're looking at, we've been talking a lot about the draft that's coming up and all the main college prospects. We've pretty much gone through with a fine tooth comb so far, but as you all know, with your roster it's the picks that you make on day two and day three that really affect your team the most because you're looking at guys who are rotational players that you're going to depend on and guys that's going to you know, be able to fulfill special team roles. So definitely as far as what we're looking for in day two and day three, with this draft being so deep at the positions uh, that we're in need of, I, I can see some, some late-day additions that might surprise uh, fans. Because as you all know, with the moves that Martin Herney made, we're doing best player available. And he seems to be committed to sticking with that formula. And at this point in time, the glaring holes have really been limited. I mean, I think we can find tremendous value on day two and day three, on in the secondary, on the offensive line, and on the defensive line as well. Not to mention, you know, who are some linemen that you kind of see day two, day three ish that could have an impact on the uh, impact on the Panthers if we decide to go with them.
1: Well, I'm going to go opposite spectrum. I wanted to take our D lineman and O lineman early. I like the top. I like the guys at the top of the list. So, you know, I hope to get like a Dexter Lawrence in round two, even though that might, wait, is that considered a day two pick, a Dexter Lawrence? So if that's considered a day two pick, you know, I guess that's somebody I would like. But honestly, you know, I expect us to address the trenches rounds one through three. So when you talk about the day two and day three picks, I'm thinking later rounds like four through seven. Because I know Greedy Williams was my favorite player in this draft. We haven't visited with him. Um, he'll probably be gone by the time we get to 16. And I've also noticed that even if he's there at 16, the Panthers have kind of fell in love with Byron Murphy. So I'll go with another corner that I like late, Mr. Mark Fields. His father played for, for our team. He's got NFL pedigree. Um, he's got 4'3 speed. That's elite speed. He's just like a Dante Jackson. He's somebody that we can squeeze in that nickel. Also, um, you know, he took some lumps at Clemson. That's why his stock is as low as what it is. But you can see that he's extremely coachable and he works extremely hard. The athleticism is there. He'll probably be like a 4-7 through pick. That would be a guy that I want people to keep their eyes on late. Like we might be able to get him in round 4 or 5. And he'll make an immediate impact for us. So that's something to take a look at. I'm not going to throw too many names out there because I don't want to give you guys too much to think about. Basically tonight, I'm just choosing my favorite. Day two or day three pick, like I said, if it's second round or third round, give me Dexter Lawrence, but I'd rather go, you know, corner late and give me a guy like Mark Fields.
2: Yeah, first, you know, there's a strong possibility, you know, we may not get that, you know, edge rusher or offensive tackle in round one, but if we don't, you know, there's still possibilities. You know, a guy like Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida, might uh, slip to the second or third round because he had poor combine interviews. But if he watches tape, you know, he can do give you the same speed rush ability that Brian Burns has, although I think he sets the edge better and has a more complete game. I think if with a better combine interview, I think Polite is a top 15, top 20 guy. And I think we, we did interview him at the combine. So if he's able to slip in the second or third round, that may be where we get our edge rusher you know at the offensive tackle position you got titus howard small school out of alabama state who played well in the senior bowl against d1 level competition so you know that's a name to look out for you got caleb McGarry, you know greg little who is a inconsistent you know but at times he plays like a first round talent so if he's available in second or third round that's another name to look out for um And I think don't be surprised if we take a quarterback. You know, North Turner's doing his due diligence. He's talked to, shown a lot of interest in Will Greer, you know, from Charlotte, you know, quarterback out of West Virginia, who I really like. He's shown a lot of interest in Jarrett Steatham, the the, um, Auburn quarterback, and Clayton Thorson, the quarterback out of Northwestern. So, you know, we got that comp pick in round three. Don't be in panic mode if that uh, pick gets dedicated to finding a backup quarterback. You know, and then just very late in the round, you know, there'll be, be some late round steals. You know, I really like this guy. You should look up Jalen Hurd out of Baylor. You know, he's a running back slash wide receiver hybrid. Yeah, I know a lot about him. That's yeah. a good
1: name to throw out
2: there. Yeah, that's somebody to look out for. You talk about, you know, reducing McCaffrey's reps next year. Why not somebody like Hurd that can give you that same hybrid role? There'll be a lot of good running backs on the board, you uh, Day two or three, you know I really like this uh, running back out of Utah State. You know he's a good dual threat back. So you know, don't turn your TV off after Thursday. That's all I gotta say.
1: I didn't want to completely ignore your question, though, uh <laughs> hey, Kev, But uh, you know I'm just high on I'm high on getting the corner links. I don't I don't think we're gonna address it too early. But just to answer your question, one I know you know Will mentioned his favorite edge as far as the day two and day three. I like Ben Ben, uh, what is it, Ben Benoku, the guy from yeah. Louisiana Monroe?
2: Yeah, the TCU.
1: Yeah, TCU. So he he kind of, uh, he, imp- he impressed me a lot. So that's somebody I wouldn't mind taking in the fifth round. I think that's somebody that can come, come in and compete with, you know, like a Marquise Haynes or something like that. He seems to be a slightly better athlete. But I didn't want to just ignore your question. If we do have to address the edge late, there's plenty of depth. I'm just saying – We've been doing that so – we've been we've been addressing it late so often lately, like getting Haynes late. I'm ready to go get a, a blue-chip guy. I'm ready to go get a first-rounder or a second-rounder that's going to come in and make an immediate difference and start for us right away as far as addressing the edge or the interior.
0: Yeah, and, you know, just to throw in my guys that I've been looking at, you know, doing uh, this process for uh, day two and day three, you know – Thanks to you guys. I really, I can honestly say I've done more mock drafts this year than I have my entire life. So, you know, I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, putting me on with conversations throughout the year. But just some names at different positions I want to throw out there that that I've actually been watching some some footage on. You know, so I'm looking at a guy like, you know, Draymond Jones out of Ohio State. You're talking 6'2", 295. You know, he's a guy that has played multiple positions along Ohio State's defensive line. And, you know, historically speaking, you know, Ohio State defensive linemen, they they tend to do pretty good in the NFL. Uh, another guy that I fell in love with late was uh, a guy named Rennell Wynn out of Arizona State. Talking 6'4", 295. I mean, this guy is, all I see is disruption. I mean, it's I've seen film of him knocking over two linemen on a pulling play to take the running back down for a three-yard loss. I'm like, now, see, that's the type of stuff, you know, I think would definitely be a benefit to us. And uh, one more guy, this is uh, Monty's favorite guy that he has been, you know, talking about, Colleen Saunders out of Western Illinois. Now, he's a little stocky. He's only six feet, 318 pounds, but, you know, Larry, you're always talking about guys that have leverage and hips. Well, this is definitely someone that, when I watch, that's that's what I see. This is a guy that will not be moved out of his spot, and I and with his hand placement, I see him constantly seems to be in control of whatever alignment he's engaged with and able to disengage to uh, to affect the play. And uh, one last guy for the uh, defense line that I like that played at Alabama, uh, Isaiah Bugs. I mean, you're talking about a tackle for loss machine. This guy, he's a four year senior at Alabama, six four, two ninety two. Uh, these are just, you know, some of the guys that that I've noticed that would definitely add some benefit here.
1: I like that name that you brought up first. Draymond, Draymond Jones? Yeah. you got to understand this, man. He played in the Big 12. Big 12 are known for having elite offensive linemen, and he was downright productive. 13 tackles for a loss, eight and a half sacks. He had a low stock coming up. I don't want you to be shocked if he goes earlier than what you thought. I've, I've been hearing a lot of different media sources that he might be an early second rounder at this point.
2: Let me ask you this. Uh, Joe Person recently did a mock draft, got everybody talking, where he said he has some inside information that we're taking Will Greer in round two. I mean, I don't believe it, but what, how would you react if Herney does that?
1: I'd be upset. I think that's a little bit too early to address the backup quarterback position especially when you got a guy like Tyree Jackson that you can snag in the third or fourth. Like I told y'all earlier, that one, two, and first, third-round pick that we get, whether we trading up or doing whatever, I want those first three picks to be immediate impact players. So, I mean, that might make me thaw up a little bit. Not that I have anything against Will Greer, I like the kid, but I would rather get him in round three or later. That's just my opinion.
0: Yeah, and for me, I I think a lot of this you know, talk, you know, I, Rivera mentioned it early on in NFL meetings, you got to, you got to play the game of smoke and mirrors as well. And, you know, with everybody, you know, loving to talk about Cam and, you know, his injury, you know, all this quarterback talk, I'm not saying that quarterback is not an option, but, you know, the whole thing about Will Greer, which don't get wrong, I think it's a legit prospect, but, you know, like you said, Larry, if you're taking your draft, your first, second, and third round draft picks, you're looking for starters, or immediate impact players that's going to get a lot of reps. And I just don't think we're going to spend a second rounder on a guy that, with the healthy Cam Newton, maybe not see 20 reps on the field all year. That's just hard for me to – that's just hard for me to fathom. But uh, real quick, as we wrap up, a position that no one's really talked a lot about, we've mentioned it some, uh, you know, linebacker. I mean, let's keep it real. You know, Luke Keekly, he's seen the guy over his concussion – you know, thing last year and, you know, he wearing a special brace and things like that. So we know Luke's all-world, Shaq Thompson, you know, he's on his fifth-year option. You know, what are we going to do with him? A couple of guys we drafted last year, uh, Jermaine Carter Jr. out of Maryland and Andre Smith out of North Carolina and also Jared Norris. So right now we got five, but don't be surprised if we don't grab a, a six linebacker. I'm looking at a guy day two, day three. I like a guy named Blake Cashman out of Minnesota. When I watch him... His motor, his style gave me some keekly flashback. I mean, you're talking about a guy that shoots the run and plays against the pass very well. Uh, he goes about 6'2 35. Also, Terrell Hanks. We uh we met with him early on out of New Mexico State. He's someone that's reminds me of TD when he first came out, can you know play, you know, started off his safety but moved a linebacker and he can, you know, definitely cover as well. And lastly, Linebacker out of Duke, Joe Gills Harris. He's someone that he's a little bit bigger, 6'2", 240, but he's someone that when you watch film on him, you know, for his size, he can move. I mean, when he comes downhill, he is trucking. He plays in a passing game as well. So these are just some guys that in the the later rounds that be players that could make an impact that we definitely should uh, keep our eyes about.
1: I haven't paid too much attention to the LBs in later rounds, but I'll be brutally honest with you. I wasn't passing no Devin White at sixteen. <laughs> so I don't want you to think that, you know, I'm thinking we set that linebacker. If we can address that position round one through seven. If we can get better there, I'm all forward. So you can move Gold in the linebacker for you
2: know, that'd probably be a better fit <laughs> for him.
1: <laughs> Have him put on 15 pounds and come play in the box, right? I'm, he might go, he might fit. Who knows? Yeah,
2: yeah that's what San Francisco had read it, um, dime linebacker. So hey, it may be Garden's next. You know, we'll see.
0: Yeah, so pretty much, you know, pretty much uh fans, we're just letting everybody know that there's a lot of talent and value that's gonna be in day two or day three that that you definitely should keep your eye on. Um definitely look forward to seeing you know how the picks on friday and saturday go with the nfl draft so wrapping this all up fellas i mean you know hey it's we've been talking about this for months now the time is here the nfl draft is is uh we're it's, it's right around the corner so we're about to see what new toys we're about to get and i'm definitely looking forward to it will what, what are your closing remarks
2: Hey, yeah, you know it's my favorite time. One of my favorite times of the year with the draft coming up next Thursday. We just dropped that um, review on the Facebook page of the pat few of our past first round draft picks. Try to get y'all hyped and ready to go, rocking and rolling next Thursday. So let's, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Let's get, let's do it. You know, see, you know who we're gonna get in this first round. You know, it's probably five or six guys I'd be, I'd love to
1: have. So I'm ready. Aside from kickoff and playoffs, this is my most exciting time of the year. I'm ready for the draft. Uh, A lot of you fans don't know that we do a whole lot of homework. We do a whole lot of preparation just so we can anticipate what's actually going to happen in the draft. I'm hoping we don't get any surprises. I'm hoping that we're giving you guys enough information just so you can have an idea of who these players are that we end up selecting. So when it's like round four, you pick a guy like Josh Norman, you're not wondering, who's Josh Norman? Hopefully, we gave you all the names that you guys need to know about. Hopefully, we helped you out as much as you can. Of course, we want you to do your own homework, too, because we enjoy your feedback. But listen, this is the most exciting time, man. One more week. Keep pounding. All right, fellas.
0: Well, hey, great job. Great conversation. I definitely learned a few things here tonight. So, on behalf of everybody here at the Four Man Rush, myself, Larry Reynolds, Will Harris, uh, our partner in crime, Monty Fede Jr., Y'all have a good evening,
2: and keep pounding.
0: The Four Men Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The 4-Man Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the 4-Man Rush exclusively. Thank you.